hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. So, I've got a few moving parts in the message today, so it might work, it might not, but you're very forgiving, so that, that should be fine. Okay, so I wanted to take you guys through a bit of a journey that I've been on recently. And um, one of my responsibilities is help uh, line up who's going to teach on each Sunday. And um, what's really interesting, over the last six months, we've had 18 different people share on a Sunday morning, which I thought was quite, quite incredible, and it kind of matches something that we felt that God should be doing of opening up the space and training and building up other people's confidence. Um, partly the slight challenge when you've got different people sharing is that kind of continuity of, of what we're building on. And if you think about it for any amount of time, there is, there is a thread that runs through it all, but if you're just kind of getting hit by one Sunday after another, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And there was a stretch of three Sundays where I really noted that one Sunday the message was, Let's intentionally share life. The next Sunday was, let's intentionally wrap around families. The next Sunday was, let's intentionally share testimonies. And uh, it just feels a little bit like we're intentionally running around, um, kind of feeling like we are spinning plates. I've, oh, I've got to focus on this for a little bit. Oh, now I've got to focus on this a little bit. Now I've got to focus on this a little bit. And I know there is a desire in me that we want to be people that represent who God's shown us to be. And so there can be times where, like, oh, are all new people feeling welcomed, loved, and included? Are they invited to belong? And... Right, we believe that God has shown us friendship. Are we intentionally, are we doing well in terms of our friendships? And are our families places where God is touching our kids and meeting with them? And it can feel like, oh, I've got to focus on this. Now I've got to focus on this. Now I've got to focus on this. And I'm a, I'm a kind of a fix-it mindset. If I see a problem, I want to come up with an... I want to invent a fix. And then if I, I'm pretty... Pleased with my fix, I like to give myself a little pat on the back. I've, I've invented uh, some kind of intervention, and it, that, that's great. But there's another part of me that begins to analyze, did it actually fix the, the thing? Did it actually make the difference? Yes, we, made a, we did a response, but did that response actually solve anything? And with many of these kind of interventions that we do in our own lives or we kind of try in a corporate setting, there's often times of feeling frustrated that it's not quite done what we wanted to do or exhaustion of just trying to run from one intervention to the next. And we don't want to just be a place where a code of conduct is taught or behaviors are modified. We want to see something fundamentally change. And so... I've been thinking about it a little bit like dancing, and Jacob's going to come assist me here. Um, I've, I've been tr- teaching Jacob how to dance for many years now. Um, 
he kind of sees something in, in my natural flow of my hip movements that he's, he's admired and he's, he's longed to be able to emulate. So I want to just teach him a very simple dance move here. So um, your head, we're going to start with your head. Simply look left to right, swaying your head slightly. Okay, all right. Now, remember that one. Keep spinning that plate. Now, I want you to use your arms now. Uh, front crawl swimming or breaststroke arms, if that's easier. Okay. All right. Um, and now, legs. So, just stepping in time. Step into the, left, uh, into the right wing with your right foot, then the left wing with your left foot then your right foot back, and then your left foot back. Okay, now try all three at once. And then the head, the heads. All right. Let's, um, he's looking a little bit awkward, and a little bit stressed. Uh, let's, let's try, put some music on. Okay, all right, thank you very much. Thank you, Jacob. I think Jacob looked much more natural once the music started. I think he was thinking very hard before. He, he, he didn't feel it. He was trying to follow instructions. But once that music kicked in, there was, he could almost relax into it. And you can begin to, to be creative in how you express yourself when you hear the music. Now, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in people hearing the music. I'm interested in people catching a glimpse or a sight of him. And one of the verses that has kept on coming back to me over the years is this one here. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That's God's promise. Each will know. Each will hear the music. Each will catch a sight of him. That you're not dependent on teaching, being taught, or being given instructions. So knowing the Lord. So when I use the phrase catching a sight... What I really mean is that revelation or experience of God, which is more than just head knowledge. A sight can be those, those big dramatic moments when you're in the, the big tent at Soul Survivor and everyone's crying and just the presence of God is just really tangible. But it also happens in those quiet times, those mundane times, even where it blindsides you. You just see something of God. It can happen in an instance. Or it can be one of those kind of slow sinking in revelations. And it's not a one-off experience. It happens time and time again. And often we need that fresh recalibration, that fresh alignment with who he is and who we see him to be. 
John Piper said, if all you have is a decision for Christ and not a delight in Christ, you don't have Christ. Now, you could read that as quite condemning, but I don't, I don't intend to share it as a condemnation, as something to, to, to put pressure and make you feel bad about stuff. It's great news, because when you're living just on a decision, you can't hear the music. You're following one instruction, you're spinning one plate after another. But a delight in him. And God loves us too much to leave us with just a decision from him where we're begrudgingly pursuing him. We're trying really hard. He wants us to hear the music. So when we talk about to know God, I mean to delight. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will. My God, your law is within my heart. It's my natural response to you. I enjoy you. Right, I need a couple new volunteers here. I think Josh and Jaden, you come. All right. Now, Jacob was prepared. These guys weren't. Oh, look, we're all going for Jays today. Look at that. Right. Now, do you guys love each other? Yes. Okay. So Josh is a youth leader, so there's a little bit higher expectation on him. <laughs> now, when we're talking about a delight, you will be familiar with the snot sucker analogy that I've used before. Well, no one's ever actually experienced seeing the snot sucker used. So, I've got this uh, bit of bread here, which we're going <laughs> to pretend is a bogey. Oh, no, no, no. Too soon, too soon. Oh, you, you're using the same one. It's probably a bit sticky now, so it should be all right. <laughs> okay. This is the nasal aspirator. Snot sucker. So, Josh, it is. See if you can figure out how to use it. See if you can get that thing out. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, over there and suck. <laughs> no, 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 go for it. Come. <laughs> Come on, mate. You got. It's bread. You're just pushing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just got wedged. <laughs> I need another illustration that involves tweezers now, don't I? Did you get it out? Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, there, there is a filter to stop the actual bogey getting into your mouth. But um, there was a Nigerian couple that they didn't used to use this. They just mouthed straight over the nose. All right, thank you very much, guys. So... So to remind those that have just walked in and thinking, what the heck, that have never heard this illustration before. This was bought for me by, by some friends one Christmas when um, my, my son was due to be born. I saw the thing and I thought it was the grossest thing ever given to me. I put it in a drawer and did not look at it. 
Two weeks later, my son was born, and within three days, I was looking at him. I could hear a kind of a whistle when he breathed. I was like, ah, that's a bogey that's, that's, that's really hindering your breathing. Without a second thought, I ran to that drawer, grabbed this thing out, and sucked that bad boy straight out of his nose. <laughs> but what had changed from being completely grossed out to it being a natural response? I had seen my son. I had seen him, and something in me felt now that that was the absolute appropriate response. I delighted to use the, the, the snot sucker. And um, I've had this com similar conversations with, with people that said, you know what, I'm not going to dance like some people dance on a Sunday morning. It just, looks, it just looks strange. It just looks really weird. And I said, that's because you've not seen him. When you've seen him, it's an absolutely appropriate response. It's a joy. It's a delight to do it. Once you hear the music everything changes. So when everything changes, did everything become easy? Can we just put our feet up and relax? Well, we still have free will, and God doesn't violate that. He respects us too much to now take over all choices. So there are still choices that I've got to make. Do you remember a little while ago we did an illustration which had a... Mentos being put into Coke. What, what I like about this, th those Mentos were put in and it was an automatic reaction that happened. Something was dropped in that meant something else came out. There was a compulsion for that eruption. But we still have to collaborate and allow what God's doing in us to come out. I could have put a cap on if I'd been really fast. I could have tried to block that. I could have kept trying, try and kept that down. The Bible calls that grieving or resisting the spirit. We can choose to say no. So he could put inside me a desire to go across and give Stephen a big hug. But I could put a cap on that. I could resist that by saying, oh, I think he might think I'm a bit of a weirdo. I don't know when he last washed. There could be those things that kind of put a, a hamp... A hamper, hamp, 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 could hamper, it could hamper. And so there's a collaboration that has to happen. I have to agree with what God's doing. And sometimes, anyone had that feeling the alarm goes off in the morning? I love to sleep, I love to sleep long, I hate that alarm clock, and there's, I would love to smash it to pieces. But we still get up anyway, don't we? Eventually. Not many of us stay in bed for the whole day. And that's because there's a deeper desire that we have. We want to go to work. We want to make an impact. We want to get our kids ready for school. We want to do something. And we've got to say, you know what? I've got to dig deeper than my desire to stay in bed. I want to dig out, the dig to the desire that is to do something bigger. And I have to do that all of the time. Yes, the Spirit of God is causing me to do something. Something's been dropped in and a desire's coming out. But I've got to push through a lot of objections that I have. I have to collaborate with what God's doing. So, 
We're talking about catching the sight of God, seeing God. The greatest thing, though, is God wants to be known. He wants to be seen. And as I was thinking about that, I remembered this clip from Anton Deck's um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Out Me Ear, um, if you've ever seen that. So this one's Peter Crouch, um, who he, he has a, um, an earphone, uh, earpiece. Um, and Anton Decker telling him and um, Abby what they've got to do whilst they're trying to um, interview some uh, babysitters. And so this poor woman has arrived to be interviewed, and you get this kind of strange behavior. Well, as you can see, he's a big kid. Well, as you can see, he's a big kid anyway. Do you want to play hide and seek? You play hide and seek then. <laughs> Pleasure eyes, both of you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Right, count to ten. Count to ten. Right, go and hide somewhere where your feet like are hanging out really obviously. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready? Ready? Let's go and find it. Let's go and find it. Pete! <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? Hang on a minute. Hang on. Hang on. There he is. There he is. <laughs> You're too good for me. Oh, you're too good for me that time. Oh. Since I was such a success, let's play one more game of hide and seek. <laughs> Since I was so good at that hide and seek, can we, can we, can we play again? Go on, guys. Go on. Go on. One. Count. Two. Seek again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three. Yeah, one more. Son. Four. Okay, sorry. Five. <laughs> Six. Seven. Eight. <laughs> Try and run and hide in another place. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> so, God's not playing hide and seek with us. He wants to be found. And um, some of the things that, that he promises us Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. These are his promises. He wants to be found. He doesn't say, I'm the answer to everything. Good luck finding me. I'm here. Jesus spent a lot of his time saying, I'm over here, come to me, you who are weary. We've used this image quite a lot. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's his promise. And Stephen's just going to come up and just help us because I wanted to take to break into the message now and give us an opportunity to respond because I just felt while I was saying this that I think there's some of you that might struggle to believe, struggle to believe that he's waiting to be found. Maybe you feel that you've been trying 
and it hasn't worked, you haven't found him, you haven't seen him, you don't hear the music, and it just feels like a bunch of procedures and processes. It just feels like plates that you keep having to spin. Maybe you actually doubt that he would want you to find him. Maybe he wants to be found by someone else, but surely not me. And so we're just going to take a response and we're going to base it on the fact that he does promise that we will find him, that he does want to be found. And so Stephen's going to lead us in this song. But if, if this is you, if you're thinking, I've tried and it's not worked, I'm not sure if he actually wants to be found. Maybe he wants to be found by everyone else, but not me. If you feel to, stand up while this song's being sung as a response to say, God, I'm here, I'm after you, I want you. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Father God, we just ask that you would meet with us. You would show yourself. You promise, Lord, that we will find you. And so, God, we are saying we're looking. 
do what only you can do. Allow us to see you, Father God. Okay, we're going to take a bit more time um, to respond again. So I've got some, a few more pieces to, to talk about and then we'll come back in again to a time of, of worship. So what happens when we see him? Well, there's, there's a kind of a domino effect that begins to take place. And there's two particular things, the way that I look, about, look at it. And this, a lot of you will be familiar with this. When we see him, it causes us to desire and it transforms us. So in terms of desire, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we want, we desire, we want to be with him, we want to be like him, we want to serve him, and we we want to bring others to know him. And when it comes to transformation, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It's almost like as you're watching him, something is beginning to change all by itself. It's not something that we are managing. There is a change that begins to happen as we cast our eyes on him, as we look at him. And so we become more like him in our attitude, in our thoughts, and in our behavior. We can't make our desires like his. We can't make ourselves like him. But as we look at him, these are the things that begin to happen. And I was thinking, for me, there's, there's four things that I could think of that begin to change when I hear the music, when I see him. So first, I become impressionable. Remember um, Sam giving a, a testimony after the youth weekend away where he talked about he felt that his moment was coming in, in the, the time of, of worship and he thought he was about to, to cry and then one of the young people tapped him on the back and said, oh, I, I'm going I'm to go somewhere now. And he's like, you, you broke my moment, you stole my moment, this was my moment. But on reflection, Sam realized, you know what? If my moment doesn't cause me to love this person more, to love God and love others, that's not really God working. Because if I'm looking at him, the desire to be like him and my transformation to become like him would mean that I would love him and others more. And I find that when I'm close to God... He begins to soften me, like with clay or Play-Doh plasticine. When you begin to kind of work it, it softens. And then once it's softened, it, you can leave an impression in it. And um, for me, 
I find that when I'm seeing God, when I'm enjoying that closeness to God, when I'm hearing the music, I can have a conversation with someone and I can come away from that conversation remembering what we talked about, but not just like recounting it. Something has touched, something's left its imprint in me. And I've gone away with that impression that almost becomes like a mold that God can pour something into. And so perhaps I've, I've had a conversation with Richard and he's talking to me about some challenges he's ha- having at work. That stays with me and I'm finding that I'm thinking about that conversation during the week, even when he's not in front of me. And I find that, I think, oh, God, what, what would you want to say to Richard? What would you want to give to him? And God actually pours something into that. And as that thing sets, I can actually get a chocolate foot. I can get something to give back to him. But it's because I've been made impressionable. Now, does that happen every single conversation? No. And it's still a fight because sometimes I'm so busy, I don't want to think about Richard. I want to just get on with my life. But when I'm close to him... When I'm hearing that music, when my desires are transformed by being close to him, something about me is impressionable by those that that I come into contact with. Another thing is I become curious. Curiosity is a really important aspect, I think. And if you think for Moses, it was curiosity that led him to go and look He said, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Curiosity led him, and as he followed that curiosity, he met with God. He experienced God. He saw God in something that he couldn't see from a distance. When God's, when I'm seeing God, when I'm experiencing God, I become more curious about what's going on in other people. And partly that's because I become a fan of God and what God's doing. Some people are fans of music. Some people really love the Beatles. They've collected every piece of memorabilia there is for the Beatles. When you're a fan, you want whatever the next thing that's coming out. And if someone's got a room like this, if there was ever an unreleased track from the Beatles, they would be quick to go and explore it. They would be curious what, what has the artist done next? And when my heart is fresh for God, I will see him as an artist, and I will see you as pieces of his artwork, and I want to see what he's up to. What is God doing in your life? You become interesting to me. Another thing that happens when I'm hearing the music, when I'm catching a sight of him, I become humble. Neil last week talked about, we we don't know what what our restored friends would look like. We don't know what God originally had planned that he's building them into. We we think we might know at times. We think we know what it's got to look like, but we don't know. And I find that I'm constantly challenged. You you don't know what I'm doing in these lives. 
And there's a verse that keeps coming back to me. It's, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When I'm distant from God, when I'm not hearing the music, when I'm not close to him, I think I know what's going on in everyone. I think I'm pretty accurate. And I'm constantly leaning on my own understanding and getting it wrong. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible where Jacob had gone to sleep just in a, it says a, a certain place. It was a place of no religious significance. And while he was there, he had this vision of God and, um, and it's the, the Jacob ladder thing. And when he wakes up, he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. How often is that going on? God's in our workplace. God's in those frustrating situations. God's in the pain that we're suffering. God's in this, this person that I'm talking to that just seems to be making mistakes. Or God's there, and I'm just not aware of it. Sometimes he's chosen not to show me what's going on because he wants me just to walk the journey with, with someone. There's um, this quote by Walt Whitman. Be curious, not judgmental. When I'm living outside that, that, that glimpse of God, I'm pretty confident with my assumptions. But when I'm living from that, that sight of him, I become expectant. God, you must be doing something here. I want to see it for myself. I want to be part of it. I want to come close. Because... What it looks like on the outside, from distance, might actually look different once you come closer. And I find I'm doing that all the time. I'm looking at something from a distance. Now the conversations over the years I've had of, how are the youth doing? Well, zoom in. What's he doing in individuals? Can you, sum, can, can you really summarize a whole body of people, like 30 youth, and say, oh, is this going well or is this going badly? The curiosity, the humility calls me to, I want to zoom in to know an individual story. Because God deals in individuals. And then the final thing, I find there's a sense of joy that comes when I'm close to him. There's a, an old hymn that my dad sings, but it's too atrocious for us to ever redo here. But it's got the line, Come, walk with me round the walls of the city. See what the king has been building so well. I like that idea. Let's go and have an ex explore. What's he up to? God is doing something. In every human life, God is alive and well. He's up to something. I want to see it. I want to be part of it. I want to witness. If God is good, he's up to good stuff. And coming back to that verse that Richard gave us at the beginning, the joy is, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Good news is God is building the house. 
God is alive and well. God is up to something. And sometimes you just get a second just to catch a glimpse of it and just be able to enjoy that. So, what's our response? Well, you might have a response of your own. The responses that I was thinking, really two. There's one, a a decision from us to turn away from relying on our self-effort. Right, what I was saying at the beginning, that, oh, I've seen a problem, let me invent a fix. Ah, I've got to be intentional about this, intentional about this, intentional about this. And when I've managed to do it, yes, I've done the activities. I've done an intervention. Great. But am I living from the reality of seeing God? So almost you've got to put down that confidence that we can do it. We can't do it. We can't give ourselves the desire. We can't transform ourselves. We can't make ourselves see God. But the reliance comes on him that he wants to be found. And when we see him, something changes deep inside of us. And so, first response that you want to make when we're coming back into this time of worship is, God, I I choose not to rely on my self-effort to find you. And then then it's just quite simply the other response. God, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to to delight in you. I don't just want a decision for you. I want to delight in you. So Stephen's going to come help us. And then, Richard, you might call the response. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.